Mike, what are we talking about on today's episode of Moving the Goalposts? Today, we recap game one of the Bruins and Capitals and look ahead to the rest of the series. The Celtics are taking on the Wizards tomorrow night. Uh, maybe they'll win. Maybe they'll lose. Who knows? I guess it's technically a playoff game, but technically. Oh, oh boy, we'll see. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, and tell a friend. Moving the goalposts wherever you listen. It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and <laughs> recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho, Ho, H to the O-V. I used to move snowflakes by the O-C. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Moving the Goalposts, New England's number one sports podcast. My name is Nick Marr, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? Doing well, brother. How are you? Not so bad. You can check out our social media profiles on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at NickMara94. Mike, where can the listeners reach you? You can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Masala or on Instagram at Mike Masala NFL. Be sure to follow along on our uh, Moving the Goalposts Twitter and Instagram. They can be found at Moving the Posts. Miguel. Nicholas. Playoff hockey's back. I am so excited. Like I'm watching games that I didn't even care about. Dude, so last year <laughs> we, we had the bubble, right? Mm-hmm. And we had games that were like starting at 11 o'clock in the morning and going until 11 o'clock or one o'clock at night because they were only playing in two places. They had a, a bubble set up in Toronto and a bubble set up in Edmonton and they could only play one game at a time. Like, mm-hmm. was it the uh, the Lightning and I think it was the Blue Jackets last year. They went into like five overtimes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And it delayed the Bruins game. So they had to play <laughs> the next day. We don't have to worry about that this year. Thank should- God. We actually get we get fans, we get home crowds. We it feels like the playoffs again. A uh, little bit of a disappointing start, I think. I was expecting uh, maybe a little bit more offensive firepower from the Bruins, but mm-hmm. we'll go, get into that game a little bit later. But uh, but yeah, have you? Uh, how many games have you watched? I've I tuned into the entirety of the Bruins game, and then I've watched pieces of all of the other games. Mm. Um, I think you had three overtime games in the first four games, which was, was insane. Awesome. Which is that we always talk about how the intensity of playoff hockey is a different level. And then overtime playoff hockey is like, I saw a tweet. It was like, why watch playoff hockey when you could like skateboard out of a helicopter while on <laughs> cocaine? Like that's the type of <laughs> that's the type of energy you're getting. Pretty much. And, and last night's game. So Tampa Bay and Florida first time in, the history of the league that they've matched up against each other in the playoffs, which isn't that unbelievable because Florida typically isn't a a very successful team, although they have had some good seasons. I think they went to the cup final in 1996, but Tampa Bay is an absolute horse. I was watching last night's game, the only game not to go into overtime, but probably the most exciting of all the games so far. Mm -hmm. Um, even in like the, the Vegas, Minnesota series, like that was a zero, zero game going into OT one, nothing final. Like Mark Andre Fleury, I think made like 37 saves or something ridiculous like that. Fleury, he's the only goalie in NHL history to make the playoffs or appear in a playoff game in 15 consecutive seasons. Like, that's that, insane. It doesn't strike me though. Like Fleury doesn't strike me as this all time hall of fame guy. No, he just seems to be consistent and he'll show up like, like Marc-Andre Fleury, like we remember him from 
10 years ago. Right. And he kind of goes under the radar and then you, you see him pop up making incredible saves again. It's like, where, what happened to this guy? I've, I've described him as like the pumpkin in Cinderella that turns into the carriage and takes her to the ball. And then, you know, the, the classic saying you turn into a pumpkin at midnight, that's Mark mm-hmm. Andre Fleury. Like he'll, he'll win you some games, but then at some point he turns into a pumpkin and <laughs> all downhill from there. But uh, yeah, so the uh, the Bruins played Washington. They're uh, the first round matchup. Uh, obviously, Zidane Chara, former captain of the Bruins. This is the first time that uh, he'll be playing them in the playoffs. Probably the last time he'll be playing them in the playoffs. Game one, what'd you think? It was a tough go for this this is a game that you should have won especially after you forced the goalie out so early uh which honestly one of the weirder plays i've ever seen oh yeah like immediate immediate puck in the back of the net and then all of a sudden the goalie's down like what just happened i I have no idea what's going on and anderson look he looked flustered like all night like there was there was the play early on in the game where he uh went back and Completely just knocked the knocked the net right off. How is yeah? We'll get into that too. <laughs> but like, like, you gotta you gotta. I I wish the Bruins took more, took advantage of that more. Like they they should have forced more offensive plays. And my my problem with this game was, it feels like Marshawn turned the puck over a thousand times in the neutral zone. Like they yeah. couldn't get, they couldn't get into the attacking zone. It was, it was a real problem all night. Yeah. That was definitely from, I would say all of the top six forwards. Pasternak was the only guy to get a point. Um, Marshan and Bergeron were held, I think to like three shots combined or something like that. Krejci's line really didn't generate many chances. The two goals were scored by uh, Jake, DeBrusque and Nick Ritchie, which I have, now come up because it's the playoffs. My my whole bit on Nick Ritchie started last year because of how he played in the postseason. I it was just an absolute disaster, and it was clear to me that he couldn't play hockey. Right. He had an okay. He got. He had a good season. He had a good season. Statistics are a little misleading though, because a lot of the goals that he scored were right in front of the net, and he's just the only one on the team that can do that. So I mm-hmm. guess he gets credit for it. <laughs> but you know what? all his goals count in the playoffs because you need every single goal to count in the playoffs if you're going to win a cup. And, uh, but the bottom six did their job. I thought they responded to the physicality of Washington who came out and within the first five minutes, I thought they were hitting absolutely anything that was moving. Literally Uh Ovechkin like runs over his own guy. Right. But uh, yeah, the top six guys, even on power plays and things like that, just never seemed like they were able to generate a whole lot of offense um, I'd be curious to know though, who is honestly going to give them a better chance of winning, meaning Washington with their goaltending situation, because they're down to like their fourth string goalie. Mm-hmm. This is a very dire situation. I, I, I mean, if I'm a caps fan, I'm very nervous about it, but at the same time, it's like, well, I've still got one of the better teams in the league that plays in front of him. Anderson. <sighs> you got to get pucks on him. Right. Like multiple pucks, multiple pucks, multiple bodies. That's what they didn't do. Right. And he, he, that's the type of goalie who will allow rebounds. So if you can continue to pepper him and you can get in close and you have a guy like Nick Ritchie who can finish like right in front of your goalie, that 
that that's something that they should be doing this whole time. And I, like I said, I think a lot of their problems were getting into the attacking zone. They seemed to struggle there. Um, uh, there was there was a lot of hate on Tuca after like uh, on social media after mm. this game, and I don't think it was deserved. So, Rask is definitely still a topic of controversy. That that's just never going to go away. Right, it's not. It's, it's the rest of his career, whether it's this year or he continues to play for Boston, it's going to be talked about. The first goal that he let up was tough because McAvoy breaks his stick at the offensive blue line, so now it's basically a three on one. Mm-hmm. But the puck didn't necess- It didn't really slide. Stayed to one side of the ice. It stayed to the side of the ice that McAvoy was on, which you right. kind of figure that's what they're going to do because they're going to try and take advantage of the guy without his stick. So in my mind, as a goaltender, I'd be thinking, well, I only have to really cover half of the ice. I don't Mm -hmm. need to worry about that long cross ice pass. My other defenseman's got it. So the options are basically cut in half. And then once they pass, Wilson passed the puck to, I couldn't even tell you who it was in the middle. It might've been Backstrom or someone. And then they passed it right back to Wilson and he takes his bad angle shot and it just finds its way in the net. But it's, it's when Rask lets in a puck that is a good goal, but he always makes it look like he could have stopped it. That's right. the problem. And, and that's something that um, uh, it must have been who, who was uh, who's on the Zolakenberg Zol- Zol- Turner show every week. Oh, uh, um, it's not Jaffe, is it? No, Wagner? uh, Wags. Yeah. yeah. Like w- Wagner was saying, I think last week or the week prior, that the reason why like Tuca is so good is because he makes everything look so easy because he's always in the right spot. Right. That's the op like the opposite problem here is like he was in the right spot. It just happened to to go like if you watch if you watch the replay of that goal, he is hugging the right side. Right. Which is pretty much exactly the only place Tom Wilson can score can exactly. score right there. And he sneaks it over his left shoulder. Like it, it was a it was a damn good shot. And it, because he doesn't look like he's putting so much effort into it, people get mad. Right. And then and then you have the second goal where it goes off of oh it deflected off of like three L- different on stick. Yeah. And then the third goal, that w- I've never seen a puck move like that in my entire life. All right. <laughs> the third goal I can si- I can see somebody having an argument for the third goal against the one in overtime because even though it was a deflection, it was a deflection that started up high and hit mm-hmm. him in the chest. And the puck continued to have enough momentum to drop between his legs and then travel into the goal. Right. That was when he should have stopped and he did stop. And then he slowed uh, it. It, it it carried. I've never seen a puck flip down and then land on the ice, hit like his shin guard and move in underneath them. Like that was, it was incredible. All three goals that Washington got, you could definitely say the puck luck was, was on their side. Um, I mean, you could also say, and I, th- I think it was fair the way that the Bruins got their first goal. It was almost like Vanacek just wasn't paying attention at all, and DeBrus mm-hmm. got the puck off the off the face off, and he f- shot it far side and tucked it by him. And then I'm telling you, somebody did not stretch out before the game because you right. do, you don't leave a game if you're a goalie by doing something like that. Like exactly that's very standard for your position to be able to go from your left to your right. Like, like splits splits for a guy like me, kind of impressive splits for a guy like him. Normal. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, I used to do splits all the time. I never stopped the puck, but it always looked cool. 
That's I, you know we need a video for for the social media post of you doing splits. I, I think that needs to happen now. I, I can't do it anymore. I could do it when I was <laughs> the last time I was able to do a split was probably sophomore year of high school. No, sophomore year of college. But no, I, it's it it does look sick. You yeah. might not stop the puck, but when you go down in a split, people are like, "Oh my god, that he almost got that." that <laughs> Look at the athleticism. Yeah, I literally have a med. Not anymore. I probably threw it away. I literally have a medal from my high school acknowledging my athleticism for flexibility. I set the not set the record, but I had the highest level on the sit and reach. Lots of practice on the couch. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. So Vanacek, I don't know if. Washington is going to have to call up a, another goaltender from their minor league system or if Vanacek's going to be ready to go. I don't know what the situation is with Samsonov. And obviously Lundqvist has been out essentially the entire season. So like I said, you've got a fourth string goaltender that is now going to be the backstop of this team. And mm -hmm. if you can take advantage of that, make him uncomfortable. He hasn't played more than five games in the last 14 months in the NHL. Right. I don't know if that's hundred percent true, but I saw it on Twitter and it was RA that tweeted it. So I'm going to assume it's true. It's on the internet. It must be. Yeah. That's where facts are, <laughs> you know, but like you said, it's, it wasn't so much a lack of, chances for Boston it seemed like it was just lack of quality chances they never really got to the point where you know they would enter the offensive zone and have sustained pressure and they'd be getting pucks on net and he'd be giving up rebounds and you had bodies flying everywhere and there was a lot of space I think I think Washington did a very good job of keeping the Boston attack to the outside giving their uh, their goaltender, no matter who it was, an opportunity to make the save and see the puck well. This is where things get a little bit scary for Boston because mm -hmm. as we've talked about on this show and as many other people have talked about across the region, the country, if Boston's top six forwards don't show up, can they win a series? Do they have enough depth? in the lineup to be able to make up for the lack of scoring from the top. Right. And uh, that's been a question for multiple playoff runs now. Mm -hmm. That that was, that was the whole question at the end of the 2018 run when they lost to the blues. Like that was mm -hmm. your, your top line doesn't show up before they didn't, you could say that they didn't have a great top six as far as your, your, your second line. But now you brought in Taylor Hall, who's played very well since being here. Mm -hmm. And even in this last game, he didn't really show up on the stat sheet, but I thought he I thought he played well in that game. I would no, I was just gonna say, like the best thing he did, he drew two penalties. Like mm -hmm. you're putting if you're putting your team on the power play, that's that's a good good thing to do. Right. So you have you you do have to get that production. And I I do think this is coming, and I I did say that this game this series was going to be going six or seven. I know we didn't have a podcast last week to really to really discuss before the series started, but this this is a another hard fought series, and the Capitals they've always had the Bruins number. It's it's been a thing where the the, the Bruins haven't been able to get over that hump in in quite some time, and this is like what the first time since two thousand twelve they've played in the playoffs. Yes. I think yes. So so you're looking at basically Tuka's in 
better years, you haven't you haven't seen this guy, you haven't been able to get over this hump and you haven't been able to beat this team in in the playoffs. So now you're you're in a situation where you're going to have to turn it on. I think they have the ability to. You just have you do have to get that scoring from and that performance from the top the top two lines. Yeah. Does uh after game one we didn't have any necessarily controversial hits or anything like that, but does the presence of Tom Wilson change anything for you if you're like let's say you're Mike Masala in Bruce Cassidy's shoes? Is Tom Wilson such a distraction for you after the first game? that you would need to shake up the lineup a little bit so that you would, I don't know, match up a little bit better against them. I think, I think that they're okay. I know that Trent Frederick was a healthy scratch and he'd kind of be the guy that they would insert if they wanted to put a little bit more of a, uh, a grinder out there. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, I think Washington played about as close to their ceiling as possible. And I think the Bruins were several steps away from the best they could play. And right. for the game to go into overtime and for you to lose on a, a fluky type bounce, sh- strange goal, like you got a lot of room for improvement and room for improvement that we know because we've seen it. And I don't know how much better Washington can be than they were on Saturday night. Right. Um, but does Tom Wilson possess any type of threat to you? Uh, I would say I would say no right now. I mean, that first game, while there were, like you said, a lot of physical moments and big hits, no, nothing was really dirty. I would say, like, I didn't see anything that was below the belt or or anything. Um, yeah, you you just you just have to play better, and you want your best guys on the line. So I I wouldn't necessarily change anything up just yet because I, I do agree. I think I think they did not play as well as they could have. Um, and not, not like I watched all, all the games of the Capitals this season, but I, I don't think that they uh, are as good as the Bruins over a full, uh, over a full series. I, I, especially now when you are down to your third, fourth goaltender, like you, you should be able to win this. You should be able to. And like you, I think the series is going to go six or seven games. I mean, I'd be shocked if it wrapped up in four or five. I, would clearly be shocked if it wrapped up in four at this point. Mm. Um, I mean, Boston is the better team. I, I don't know if Washington knows that. I don't think their fans know that, but they're, they've got the better roster. They've got, I think, better experience, even though they've only got a select few number of players that won the cup back in 2011. I think now it's just down to like, Bergeron, Marchand, Krejci, Rask. I think that's the only players that are left over. So mm-hmm. it's a totally different team. It's a totally different coach. But the experience that they got going through the entire run back in 2019, I think helps them similar to how the 2011 team benefited from 2010. So going through the pain and the anguish of losing when you see that the opportunity is right in front of you, I think that's what this Boston team has to be able to uh, capitalize on. And sure, the first round series is going to be tough. I think across the board this year in the NHL, all first round series are going to be tough because you're playing against a team that you've already played eight times. Right. And then you got to play against another team that you've played against eight times. So this is going to be one of the more difficult Stanley Cups for any team to win. Maybe not for Tampa, though, because they like to, uh, you know, figure out ways. Look, I will give for anybody that doesn't know Nikita Kucherov was uh, 
out the entire season as he recovered from hip surgery. He, he, his last game played before the playoffs this year was game six of the Stanley Cup final when they actually lifted the trophy. And then he goes in for hip surgery and misses the entire regular season. So Tampa Bay gets to put him on long-term IR and his entire salary just goes away. They don't have to pay him. Well, they do have to pay him. He's not right. just like going to be sticking around for free. But the salary goes away and they make it through the entire regular season. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay, I'm ready to go. And there's no salary cap in the playoffs. So yeah, that's, that's kind of a, uh, it's not cheating. It's, I mean, if you're not doing it, you're not trying to win. Yeah. I mean, it's, (laughs) this is the type of stuff that we would be saying about Bill Belichick and the Patriots that that this is why they're smarter than everybody else. This is why they win because they can find the gray area. This is the the type of gray area that the Red Sox are actually using right now with the COVID list. And when guys are getting their shot and they they feel a little under the weather after their shot, you can take him off the the roster for the day and call up a, an extra pitcher when you need to. Is is that what's going on with Whitlock? Because I saw that he was on <laughs> the COVID list. Okay. Yeah. yeah he he pitched like the day before. I think they did the same thing with Avaldi like last week or no uh, Pavetta last week. It's like you can just put a guy on the COVID list for a day and you get an extra bullpen pitcher. <laughs> That's smart. Yeah. Especially if it's a starting pitcher, like mm-hmm. he's not going to make a start for another week. So we might right. as well just not have him on the team. Right. And let's yeah. not have Austin Bryce and Josh Taylor pitch like that. That's what we'll do before we get on a Red Sox team. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but yeah, no, I think uh, the, getting back to the Bruins capital series, uh, the goaltending you've clearly got an advantage in. Power play offense, like you could say, it's probably about a wash. I think your de- defense is maybe less experienced, but a little bit more capable than Washington's defense. Like Zidane Chara, and, and this is a big storyline going into this series, is their fifth best defenseman. So he mm-hmm. plays regular minutes. You had an opportunity to re-sign this guy for pennies if you thought that he was still a competent NHL defenseman. I don't think that Don Sweeney has necessarily made his decision based on whether or not Char was going to help the team or be able to help the team. It was more based on the identity and moving forward and getting the younger guys in. And I would say, you know, after the regular season, at least it was the right move to make. Mm-hmm. Um, even after game one, it was the right move to make. Char doesn't, I don't think he's going to really be the difference maker for Washington, but it is kind of strange seeing him play and listening to the announcers and everything. Uh, and I swear NBC is doing everything in their power to make me cry every time they <laughs> refer to him as like former Bruins captain. Yeah. But, but I, did you notice anything from Char that would be- <laughs> the, the one funny thing for me was uh, as like, one of the fur one of the bigger times on on a bigger stage watching him play against the Bruins, uh, just like being like, damn, that stick is so long, it's unfair, it's unbelievable. <laughs> like never thought about it, never thought about it when he was with the Bruins. Mike, that's literally the only reason why he's still playing. Right, he, he cannot move. Like if the puck goes into the corner, he lets the other guy go get it because he's not going to win the race. But as soon as the other guy goes and gets it and he turns around and starts making his way to the goal, boom, he's got this stick out. It's like eleven feet. Right. Let's do the math real quick. So he's six foot nine. Let's say he's seven. He's got a seven foot wingspan, let's say. So three mm-hmm. and a half feet. And then his stick is probably, I don't know, another five feet on top of that. So you're talking nine feet on the ice that you're just taking away and you've got control over. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but 
I mean, it is crazy. It is crazy. And for being in him being in Boston for so long, it's like, yeah, it was it was mentioned, but it was never used against you. So you didn't think about it. It's like exactly. it's like those those players who are a little bit dirtier, like yeah. you would hate them on another team. That's exactly what it feels like to me. I, I when looking back at the decision to move on from him, like what was Boston? What was the city? Was the team? Was Chara going to be able to look at him? and see a second, third pairing defenseman? Like, were they going to move him down for, because of, we, we all see, we all see the speed of him. We all see the age is, is catching up. I mean, the guy's like 45 now. <laughs> like, yeah. I know he's actually like 40, but he's like, he's getting there. He's 44. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. insane. He's, it's yeah, insane. He, was, he's, he was born, this, I think he's born five months before Brady was. Yeah, yeah. He's, 40, he's, he's 44 playing in the NHL. Versus, you know, Brady being a well, the quarterbacks get hit pretty hard too, and defensemen don't get hit that hard actually, especially if you're six foot nine. But when Chara was playing in Boston in his heyday, right? So like you're talking mid, you know, to late two thousands until the odd two thousand tens or whatever you want, however you want to define it. Like that ten year stretch, he was easily one of the best shutdown defensemen in the league. Like. Mm-hmm you could take their best player on offense and have them go one-on-one against Dano Chara, and he's going to win basically 10 times out of 10. He's not really able to do that anymore. The only thing that I think he's able to provide to Washington is that he takes up space on the ice. So, okay, great. He takes up space. That's what a defenseman's job is to do, to limit time and space from the opposing attack. But if you've got the speed and you can take the right angle mm-hmm. and you can kind of catch him flat footed or catch him out of position or anything like that. He's going to be a liability now. And the other thing that he does offer though is, is the leadership, you know, yeah. having a guy like that in your room, if it's, you're going to tell me that we're tied three, three, it's game seven. And now we're in the second intermission going into the third period. And I'm, it doesn't matter who I am. I'm sitting in my, I, my stall in the dressing room and I'm staring across at Zidane Chara. And he's like, oh, my God, this might be this guy's final game. I don't want to be the reason for it. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, that's what he's going to provide for them. That, like, Mark Recchi level of experience and, oh, let's win one for Rex. Let's win one for Char. Let, you know, that type of thing does kind of worry me a little bit. Right. And I think you get that out of Washington. I don't know if you get that same thing out of Boston. Because mm-hmm. if it's basically what would have happened two years ago. Right. No, you're, you're dead right there. So would there be any adjustments or any type of, what do you, what do you think the Bruins need to do to get back to their level of play? I'd say it, pu- it, it didn't, it didn't really seem like it was like they played their game. Like the Bruins mm-hmm. didn't really play their game. What what does right. Boston need to do to play their game? Yeah, I think they just need to focus focus more on puck handling. Like that that was the biggest problem for me is they there were too many times where they couldn't get into the attacking zone. And I, I know I've said that a few times here, but just like watching watching that game every time, even especially on the power play, like there were a, a bunch of times on the power play where they just couldn't get in and. 
I, I don't know exactly the fix for that. I just don't I don't want Bruce Cassidy to be too reactionary after one game, especially when it was a game that was so close and the way that we talked about it being that we think that the Bruins can play can play better than this. I don't want them to to shake something up and have it be an even bigger negative um, than what they already showed in that first game. I mean, I do feel confident in this team. I I think that it's almost a good thing that they lost the game. Mm -hmm. Because if you go out there and you perform the way that you do and and then the bounce of the puck goes in your favor in overtime, then you can kind of say like, well, oh, we didn't play our best, but we still won. Right. Versus now we didn't play our best and we lost. Now we know why we didn't win. Um, I guess the only thing that you could really say, and sometimes I'm against it because you are giving up possession of the puck, but just instituting a dump and chase type style, like really get your bottom six forwards going with the dump and chase, get the puck in deep, make the defenseman turn around and, and just unload on them into the into the boards right mm-hmm. just make them feel pressure take away their time and space you it's like you don't defend you attack right type of thing um you know i don't know if david Pasternak's going to really like help out on the four check mm-hmm. like he's not really going to go into a corner and hit a defenseman he'll he'll do it occasionally but he's that's not going to really be the guy i think if you can get richie going if you can get corrali going if you can get charlie coyle going right we haven't even mentioned charlie coyle here's a guy who's making you know just under six million dollars and he's playing on the wing on the third line now you get these guys going engaged in the game get their skating legs going and then you let the skilled guys take care of it right the skilled guys can carry the puck into the zone and set up plays and possess the puck a little bit more that's kind of how i think they'll work off of each other but it's got to start with some aggression you have to be the the team that initiates the contact they were a little too passive to start game 1 i thought uh and that may have been one of the reasons that they lost it was probably one of the reasons that they lost but it's going to be a long series you got to wear them down um if if they do lose this game do you have thoughts about oh, making yeah. uh that that switch yeah no i actually so last week when they when like talk radio and everybody was talking about and previewing the game and they're talking about how you would make the switch from going from rask to swayman if rask starts to falter a little bit. And I said, well, I didn't say this necessarily, but I was thinking you don't wait for a game. You do it in a game. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you don't say he played poorly in game two. We're going to start swimming game three. You say he played poorly in that period. We're going to start swimming in the next period. And then you make the decision afterwards. I think that's how it would be done. Um, if we get a, a repeat of, of Saturday night's game for game two tonight, oof. I don't know. That's tough because again, it's like he didn't, he, it's not that he didn't play well. He played well. Like I even asked, uh, asked my father, I was like, how many difficult saves did he have to make? Not many. Mm -hmm. And then how many goals did he allow that were like, obviously you should have had that. Not, I mean, again, it's like you get the, took us such a polarizing character that, some people are going to over-dramatize the goals that he lets up. 
I think if they lose tonight, depending on, you know, how they lose, I would go slamming in game three just to wake the team up. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think if they play with the idea of behind them is a guy they can trust, but it's still a rookie. Right. Like we're going to have to compete all 200 feet of the ice that that would be what I would do. Yeah, I definitely th- I definitely think down two zero. Maybe maybe it's something where you don't. Again, you would have to see how it played out in the second game. But if you go down 2-0 and you give up a goal early, a goal or two early in that third game, that's when I think I would make the switch. And then if you're down 3-0, you definitely just bring in Swayman. Like oh, the, yeah. you, You're playing with house money here. Maybe the kid gets hot. Maybe you can do something. Worst case scenario, you're seeing something for the future. Like Literally nothing to lose at that point. <laughs> right. Um, not that... I mean, I feel like we're ending the episode early because of how much ne- how much negativity we're throwing right in the middle of it. But. Yeah, that's that's how we that's how we end every episode. It's just so much negativity. You're right. Um, I don't even want to think about that. I think I think they'll bounce back tonight. I think they'll be competitive, and I, I, these these teams are close. Like I don't I don't like I know we said earlier we think that the Bruins can play better, and we don't know how much better the Capitals can play. I think these games are close, so I think these are going to be one goal games. So I, I think it's going to be a one-goal game tonight. I think the Bruins end up taking it. I actually think going back to the, that series in 2012, the Bruins and the Capitals have played eight consecutive postseason games of one-goal games that were really? decided by one game. Yeah, that's how close they are. That's yeah. how close they are. And again, like you go six or seven games deep in a series, that's pretty much saying that these teams are evenly matched. And mm-hmm. again, we, we both expect the series to go at least six uh, listen, if it goes six games and Boston's got an opportunity to, to eliminate them, I think they have to do it then and there Yep. because a game seven, we all know game sevens. We all know how mm-hmm. they go, especially in, in the last 15, 20 years in Boston sports, we know how game sevens go. Um, any, any final thoughts heading into tonight? Uh, random thought. Why is Country Roads their their goal song? Is it their goal song or their or the, victory or their song? Victory song? Well, like, what yeah. is the connection? I, I, I tried to do it. I, I tried to do the math. I was like, uh, like five hours away from West almost Virginia. Haven't. Yeah, West Virginia. <laughs> almost haven't West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good. That is a good question. I'm I'm very confused. Hopefully we don't have to hear it again. That would be nice. Yes. There is another team in Boston that is embarking on their postseason run. That is the Boston Celtics question mark. Are they is this even the hospital Celtics? Back yeah. At it is, again. Like uh, how against Washington too? Also against Washington, yep, against the Wizards. Uh <laughs> How do we even talk about the Celtics? This is this is a team that had all the potential in the world, has all the potential in the world, and seems as though they just don't want to play. It's been the whole year. They they have the ability. They show it some nights when they feel like it, and they show that they're absolutely abysmal other nights. It's this has been a, a two year thing for the Celtics like they they have quarters where they look unstoppable best team in the league they have quarters when they look like this is a G League team that I don't I don't even want to I don't even want to watch them play like 
they're going into this this game against Washington on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so that'll be tomorrow when this comes out. Um, on also today, I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> like we're recording it so early. <laughs> I don't know, Mike. Who who knows how this day's time? Go for time me. doesn't really make a lot of sense, man. Um, <laughs> I would. That that should be a competitive game. But it, it, how can you feel good about any scenario right now with this team playing it the way that they've played and without Jalen Brown and, and Kemba still can't play back to back games? It's like, like, why? Why do I want what? You you are Danny Ainge. You are Brad Stevens. Sell me on why I want to watch the Celtics on Tuesday. <laughs> to to why you want to to I would say you would want to watch them on Tuesday to see how Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal interact with each other after the game is over. You know, that's, that's the best, that's the best sale. Yeah. I think, uh, I think you need to go, I think we need to get you back in school. Let's get you that full on business degree. We're going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Please don't. I I think, I think, I think that's, you've you've been watching Wolf of Wall Street. I think that was, that was perfect. I was, I actually think that's I, I literally think that's the only idea. I just came up with it, but it's probably the only way. Like I I don't even want them to win. It, it's better for them to lose than it is for them to win because they'll end up in the lottery and you get some type of chance at at a top three pick, mm-hmm. you know, the way that they they do the lottery now. <laughs> so if you win, you're the seventh seed and you play Brooklyn. Right. If you lose, you play the loser of Charlotte and Indiana. Yes, the Pacers. And then if you win that one, then you play the 76ers. So your three options are Brooklyn, Philadelphia, lottery. Which mm-hmm. of those three sounds the best to you? Now, now, now hear me out, because I was doing some thinking before before the podcast started oh of what I think the most enjoyable as a Boston fan experience would be. And this is the answer I came up with is you lose the first game. So you don't have to play the Nets because I don't want any part of that. Sure. I don't want Kyrie coming in here and beating us and having to deal with all that again. You play the Hornets in that second play in game. You see Terry Rozier, you see Gordon Hayward, you put a beat down on them. Oh, you made the wrong decision by by moving on from Terry Rozier and you you kept up with Kemba Walker instead. Kemba puts a beat down on his old team. You make it to the 76ers and you can say everything you want about how good the Sixers have been this year, how good Doc Rivers has made them, how good Joel Embiid has played. Listen to me right now. <laughs> if they're able to go in and win multiple games against the 76ers, I will be back in. I will be all in on that 76ers all ass. All I will in. be all in on that 76ers ass because oh. nothing makes me happier than watching Philadelphia implode when the Celtics beat them. There, There is definitely some notable ch- choking, I guess you could associate with, with the 76ers of late. They they've got a, a super talented roster. Mm-hmm. Super they uh, they might have the MVP in the league, right? And the Celtics don't have a single person on their roster that can match up with that guy. Is he really going to be the reason that you lose a seven game series? Though, like I could see you lose a game here and there over the course of a regular season to him, mm-hmm. 
but you can't stop that guy for four out of seven, like the way you've done in the past. Ben Simmons still can't shoot. And Doc Rivers loved the guy for everything he did with the big three with the Celtics, but kind of an overrated coach. Kind of. Kind of overrated. And overrated does not mean suck, mm-hmm. as we've heard many times. But too often is he in this situation with players that are much more talented than the other team and they don't come through. Mm-hmm. And it's not always because of injury. Uh, just look at last year with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. It's like you had the new big two in Los Angeles. They were going to take down. It was going to be them versus LeBron and AD. And it was a disaster for the Clippers. Right. Philadelphia, he comes in and he turns things around and they're feeling good about themselves. Yeah, I could definitely see the Celtics coming in off of a, you know, you like you said, you lose to Washington, you beat Charlotte, and then you're finally in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're in the playoffs. Now we can just focus on one team. We only have to game plan for one team. I think they could potentially knock the Sixers out. Right. And, I would and, give and, them a chance. Yeah, I'm not and I'm not saying it's like a likelihood or anything. And your your chances are probably the same of you being like the sixth the fifteenth uh lottery position and, and getting a top three pick. Yeah. So so I think your chances are, are are similar there. And you know like the 76ers just haven't gotten over that hump yet. They they seem to struggle with Boston in the playoffs. And I know Jalen Brown's usually there, so that's usually part of it. I'm I'm gonna if if they can get into that that series, you're gonna see me doing my best Kevin Millar impression. Don't let us win one. Don't let us win one because I I will be all up in Philadelphia's ass. On like it's happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and and, and it's not it's not a team that I've believed in even an ounce this entire season. I said I said last year. I said this year. When Kevin Durant comes back, this is the this is Brooklyn's East, and and this is exactly what's kind of happened. Even though they they are the second seed, but we I think we all kind of can tell that they're a little bit better um, when they're all healthy than Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they've they've got a good roster, but again, there's a team where I could v- still see the going gets tough and they aren't really able to overcome adversity like because mm-hmm. they haven't had to deal with it you could, like the most adversity the nets have faced this season has been the injuries and these injuries aren't really injuries it's more like we we don't want to play everybody tonight we just right. want these guys going so yeah they they've yet to if they're down in a series 2-0 or 3-1 they coming back from that They've got all the potential in the world too, mm-hmm. but I mean, you've got one of the, like literally one of the biggest chokers in NBA history with Kevin Durant. Like I know he came through in, in golden state, but you, you're up three, one against the warriors and you end up losing to them in the Western conference final. How is that going to be any different in the East? Like Kyrie Irving is one hell of a front runner. What was right. he ever able to do in Cleveland without LeBron James? And what, what did he do in Boston alone? Mm-hmm. James Harden is also one of these notorious playoff chokers. He'll get you to game seven. And then all of a sudden he goes like, Oh, a 14 from three. Like time and time again, these players have gone to prove themselves on other teams that they do not succeed, that they need help. So it's what you're 
really doing in this experiment is taking a, a trio of individual losers and putting them together and hoping that it works out. Now, mm -hmm. again, they're super talented, more talented than anybody in the Eastern Conference. But I mean, I think they can be had. I don't think that they're, you know, slam dunk number one seed Eastern Conference champion. And I don't think Philadelphia is either. Like, I could still see Milwaukee, and I haven't watched a single Bucks game this year. Mm -hmm. I'm just going based off the fact that they still have Giannis on their team. Right. I could still see, I could see Milwaukee making it to the finals. I could see the Knicks making it to the finals. Who knows? I didn't even think the Knicks were going to make the playoffs this year. So it's, it's tough to predict the postseason uh, in most sports. The NBA, it's usually a hell of a lot easier. This year, I think it's a little bit different, though. Um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome to like I think this is one of the I'm not I'm not usually like a huge fan of watching random basketball games that I don't care about I'm, I don't have a vested interest in but like you have a play-in game of Warriors and I know what they are this year but Warriors Lakers like that's a play yeah. that's a play-in game and then you have the Lakers like potentially being like the seventh or eighth seed coming into a, a playoffs that's like you, your your whole Western Conference was run by the Jazz and the and the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, you, like, Utah. I would they finish? They finished fifty two and twenty. It's the the first time in their franchise's history that they, I think, finished with the outright number one seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, it's insane. And what do they have? They have Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. Probably some bench pieces that I'm not super familiar with, but it's like, no, I'm dead serious. This is, it's a strange year for the NBA. It doesn't seem like there's that, there's no Golden State Warriors team. Right. There's no Cavaliers team in the East that's just so much better than everybody else. There's not going to be any competition. Uh, it's, it's a little bit of a coin flip. So yeah, I, I'm was laughing at you earlier and now I'm kind of talking myself into it. Like if the Celtics get hot, <laughs> Right. And, I, and again, I have not been on the, the Celtics bandwagon at all this year, and I don't want to seem like one of those people who's just blindly fo following the Celtics. I just think in a series against Philadelphia, they can they can hold their own. Because like you said, you, and you, I, I remember this exact conversation last year when we were planning on playing against Philadelphia, and you had said, is Joel Embiid winning you? Like, is is he really taking over? Is he really going to be that number one superstar, winning games for you, winning a winning an entire series? And it turned out not to be true again. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's yet to do it. Just because he's yet to do it doesn't mean he will never do it. But you know, I I would just say until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. Right. Which is the case with a lot of things, but also not the case with a lot of things are you more invested in the nba playoffs this year or the nhl playoffs not necessarily bruins and celtics but which uh which postseason do you think is going to have the most drama see i i think it's going to be the nhl but i, I like as far as like a national drama story, it's still going to be the NBA just because it like it it is up there with the NFL as far as the eyes and the attention it's drawing. But the end, all these NHL games are just, 
it's a different animal. Like we talk about it all the time. It's 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 different. It's 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 the best, the best singular games, best series in sports. And those who I don't know are afraid or just don't want to watch hockey or too busy to watch hockey. Like I, I don't know what it is, but it, it you you need to invest your time in in these series, even if it's teams you don't really care about. Like about a decade ago, I would say you were either a basketball fan or a hockey fan. Now there's a little bit more of a crossover. Mm-hmm. And the NBA postseason is doesn't really get exciting for me until the conference final. Right. Like the conference final and the NBA finals are usually good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get four rounds of the best of the best in arguably the best sport on the planet. Arguably. Right. Arguably. Uh, but I actually think there's going to be more drama in the NBA this year. I think the NHL, like I did one of those brackets for, for the Stanley cup playoffs and I had Tampa coming out of the central Boston coming out of the East Colorado coming out of the West and Winnipeg coming out of the North. Mm -hmm. And I still have Tampa winning it all. I just think that they're, there's two, they're too good. They're too deep. They've been there. They know how to win in odd situations. I mean, last night I'm watching them play the Panthers and they're down 4-3 with about eight minutes to go in the game. They tie it up and then they score with under a minute to go or, or like a minute and a half to go. Mm-hmm. Like, they are the Kansas City Chiefs of, of the NHL. And I don't know if there's a Tom Brady out there to stop them. Right. It's a, we're at the point where games are never really in doubt. And that's the way I felt with the Patriots for so long. It's like, yeah, like the, unless the, the clock says zero, zero, there's a chance. And, and that's the way the lightning feel right now. But yeah, Mike, I think that's, uh, I think that's just about going to do it. Episode 40 something one 40 something. No it's, idea. It's in the forties. I just know that. One day we're going to look it up and be prepared, but it's not today. <laughs> no, I had it last time. I think it's 41 because last time was 40, but watch it end up being like 47 or something like that. <laughs> Who knows how time passes nowadays. We're almost out of the, this pandemic. Yeah, I guess so the, feel, C- the CD- like CDC has said you don't need to wear a mask unless someone tells you to wear a mask, which was kind of the situation a week ago. Mm-hmm. So. Nothing really has changed. No. It was like it was like yeah. Uh, as, unless the law says that you have to have to have one on, and then the law still says you have to have one on. So like, right? What what are we doing here? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, but I think that's gonna do it for another episode of Moving the Goalposts. Uh, Mike, is there anything that you are looking forward to this week outside of Bruins or Celtics? Ooh. Is uh, you know, do you have a final blow? So, I guess. I would say a random final blow would be J. Cole came out with an album last week. And for those who aren't rap fans, um, J. Cole has been one of the the best rappers in the game for a little bit. Um, And this album has been very good. Uh, It came out on Friday, I believe. Um, So I'm just going to continue to listen to that a few times. And it was, it's, it's not your, your classic, 2014 Forest Hills Drive, J. Uh, J. Cole's best album, but it, it's a really solid album, and I, I'm gonna enjoy playing that a few times, giving a few spins, bringing out a bringing out a CD player or something. Oh wow! 
a record. You got it on LP. <laughs> Vinyl. I got it on an 88, actually. <laughs> there you go. J. Cole. I can't say that I'm super familiar with J. Cole. What, uh, what, what, what's his, what does he sound like? Who's he, who's he similar to? Because there's no similar? way that he's that unique. He, I would say he is similar to um, Nas. Are you familiar okay. with yeah. Nas? Yeah. He, he's very inspired by Nas, I would say. Um, not all of his songs are in the same. Like, I think Nas is a great storyteller, and I mm-hmm. think that's kind of been his path in his in in, in his uh, rap career. Um, J Cole has a lot of song, songs like that, and I think there's a lot of songs on this album, particularly that that sound that have that same similar style. So, so you, would you categorize J Cole as more of a lyricist or an MC? Mm. I think I think he because he's one of the best I think in the in the game now still like you you have a lot of people who talk about today's rap and uh, how like mumble rap has become a thing and people <laughs> yeah you can't understand a lot of things that people are saying like J Cole still has that older feeling and he was around in like two thousand. 10 2011 when so long ago back in my back in my day uh <laughs> when music was good uh yeah i think i think he has a good mixture of the two i would say he's probably more of an mc but i think i think he he does a good a good job mixing the two elements well you you've intrigued me i'm gonna have to check it out now that uh i'm recording from a quote-unquote studio very very quote-unquote studio <laughs> i'll have a drive home where i get the opportunity to listen to it Oh, that would be great. It's fantastic. How, how long is your commute again? Uh, it's like 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, yeah. depending yeah. on how many cars there are. I mean, it's Pawtucket. It's right off the highway. Uh-huh. So there's it, it, it can be an easy commute. It can be a difficult commute. It depends on who else is on the road. Yeah. I would get a few songs in there. Uh, yeah, I would say that uh, it's, it's definitely, in, like I said, it's piqued my interest. And Mike, I will tell you, I also have a final blow. Oh, what what are you looking forward to? Have you heard of this show, Invincible? I have heard it. I have not started it yet. Okay. So I'm two episodes in. Mm-hmm. Not going to spoil anything for, for you or for any listeners Please. or anything like that. Uh, there is a plan in the works to release a complete collection episode talking about Ooh. Invincible. That's, that's down the road. Uh, like I said, two episodes in animated show animated show based off of a comic book written by robert kirkman the same guy who wrote uh the walking dead so Mm. i know a lot of people were walking dead fans in the beginning and then it kind of like failed it went like 14 years and people stopped watching it (laughs) yeah well they were doing the same thing that they did with game of thrones which was producing a tv show for a series based on a book that hadn't been finished yet right so <laughs> at some point they catch up with one another and you got to figure out what to do. But Invincible mm-hmm. is a story that's been completed. Uh, this is season one. There is a season two that will be uh, coming in the future. I will say Invincible. Check it out. That's all I can say is check it out, because if I say any more, it will. Blow your mind. So to speak. There- there has been nothing but good talk about that show. And I've seen a couple like small clips on TikTok because 
man, the TikTok community does not know how to stop from giving spoilers. <laughs> like they, they just don't, they like, I, I'll see full on episodes on there. Like, I don't know how they do it. Um, but it looks, it looks really good. And and it's definitely the next thing on my list. As soon as I finish up a couple of the shows I'm watching right now. Yeah, def- definitely uh, something to put on the back burner though. I'll give it a shot. All right, Mike, like I said, again, it's going to do it for another episode of Moving the Goalposts. As always, we want to make sure that our listeners are keeping in, in contact and in touch, knowing what's going on throughout the week. Best way to do that is over social media. You can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Mara. Once again, Mike, where can the listeners get you? You can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Masala or on Instagram at Mike Masala NFL. Follow, follow, follow along on the social media for the podcast as well. It can be found on Twitter and Instagram at moving the posts. Mike, till next time. Later, brother. Peace. I'm going to tell you a story.